What's going on, podcast people? Welcome back to the Zero to Hear podcast. I am your host, Denny Dumas. On tonight's show, good friend and my high school, well, Carl and I's high school basketball coach, Aaron Mitchell. Great conversation. He's an awesome dude. Have a listen. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us a review on iTunes or subscribe. Are you a podcast fan? Yeah, yeah. Do you listen to podcasts? Mm-hmm. What are your go-tos? I love Jalen and Jacoby. I don't know. ESPN. Oh, okay. Um, I dabble in a few kind of like leadership ones, coaching ones, just kind of, you know, but it's, they're so long, some of them. Like, I'd love Joe, to listen to Joe Rogan. I just don't have three hours, man. Right. Right? But you don't have to listen to them so like Simmons consecutively. Do. Yeah, no, I know. Like for me, it's I like, always forget that, right? Yeah. That's my ADD, like yeah. undiagnosed ADD where I'm like, well, that's done. It's a week old. I can't listen to it now. Like it's not the current <laughs> thing, right? Whereas it's like, no, if it's not a sports one and something that happened yesterday, you can still go back and listen to it, right? That's what like when we flew to Peru this summer, I just searched people that I wanted to see if they were on podcasts and yeah. just downloaded all those ones, whether they were a year old or whatever, and listened to them. So who are yeah. the people you're looking for? Um, mostly Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. yeah she's good man she's a lot like, of books super yeah. popular and then she did one with um who's the british dude uh used to date katie perry uh i know what you're yeah. talking about a bit of an <sighs> ass he started uh, a podcast yeah yeah you know, he i listened to him on joe rogan and yeah. he was, was he so bad? much smarter that's what i and intelligent than i ever thought by watching dude, movies i'm the exact same i was like this is gonna suck like Brene brown's gonna carry this thing he's so and i was like good. this is actually really good name? russell brand yeah russell brand he's super intelligent i i thought the exact same thing yeah. i was like there's no way this is gonna be good i was like holy crap because he's calm right he's not being a jackass totally. and he's actually like you know, doing something that he cares about. So I was like, whoa, this is actually really good. Totally. Yeah. 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 And then I just like, I like what's his nuts, uh, but he's not on a lot of podcasts. Rappaport? Yeah. <laughs> That's my boy right there. Lucky <laughs> Rappaport. Um, oh, frick. Uh, I like Tony Robbins, actually. I like his stuff. Yeah. So. He's too rah-rah for me. He is a little bit rah-rah, and his voice is always so raspy. <laughs> I'm like, dude, stop yelling, man. But, it almost, yeah, no. I Maybe it's just my personality doesn't really relate to that kind of stuff, but it almost yeah. sounds like fake to me. Right. It's just too much. Like, That's he's trying right. too hard. I agree. I agree with parts of that, for sure. Yeah. What leadership stuff do you like? Um, there's, oh, man, see, you're going to make me. Uh, it's called, I like John Maxwell, so I searched John Maxwell to see he doesn't have one, but he's good on that stuff. Um, just any of them, like I just will search leadership. And if I see like a topic, whether it's like vulnerability, like working with teens, like mm-hmm. how to deal with colleagues, like just shit like that, like just kind of everyday topics that, you know, are interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't necessarily like actually Jalen and Jacoby is the only one that I actually download. That's like, okay, you have a new episode. Yeah. Also my headphones are broken, so. I'm waiting for them to get returned by Bose because the wire ripped on them. It's bullshit. Mine broke yesterday. You have the wire or no? No, I yeah. have the Bluetooth ones yeah. that I like for running. Yeah. 
One of them doesn't work anymore. Really? Yeah, right it works. How old are they? Like six months, maybe. Yeah. Do you have the, did you, did you register them or whatever? I don't know. I still okay. got the box. Yeah, yeah. Register them. And then I just, they sent me like a shipping UPS thing. I printed it off, dropped it off. And they're like, within two years, it's like full replacement. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. doesn't work. Because the Y of the wire and it's like shredded. So it's like the, the wires are just sticking out. I'm like, how, what? So they're like, yeah, we'll send you a new pair. Like an Eli was probably chewing them. Probably, but they, <laughs> they stay at work though. But yeah, that would have been, that would have been something that would have happened for sure. Yeah. You should start one. I think you should start one. Yeah. I posted something on Instagram the other day that uh, I got from Jordan uh, Sheldon. Remember Jordan Sheldon? Yeah. He was in grade yeah, 12 yeah. when yeah, I was yeah. in grade 11. Brown so hair. That might've been your played football. first year. Was your first year my grade like 11? like Alicia Wong and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. You're older than us. He, uh, have you talked to him or seen him recently? My first year was <clears> you guys were in grade 10. So he would have been 11. Okay. Played up. So he was in grade 11. Yeah, we okay. could have won junior. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, no, you should have played senior. You should have played senior. We lost to Prince George. Remember we got murdered? We didn't get murdered. <clears throat> yeah, we did. Yeah, we were down big in the first Oh, grade quarter. 11 we did. Yeah. Grade 11. Yeah. Cam loops. Grade 10, we were, du- <laughs> we were double A. That's uh, right. Yeah, 11, you were double A. It's grade 12, grade we, 10 were and 11, we were triple A. Yeah. Grade 10, we lost to uh, the Dragons, the King George. Uh, with what's his face? Oh, yeah. Fucking uh, Diego. Diego. I remember that game. At Notre Dame? I think it was at King George. He's talking into the mic. Did you see that? Yeah. That was at King George. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. You got it. So I'm here. <laughs> What would your podcast look like? I want to hear, and I also want you to start one. Anyway, back to my point. Okay. Until before Carl interrupted me. <laughs> We've got a little bit of a love hate relationship. Yeah, yeah. We started. It's a lot of years. Yeah. Carl, this is a podcast. It's just a conversation. You know that. Okay. Uh, there are currently 700,000 podcasts worldwide. Right. And f- over 5 million blogs. 500 million blogs. So wow. Jordan uh, Sheldon, who yeah. runs like a digital marketing okay. agency in LA. Yeah. Was saying, oh, really? Like, seems like Does a pretty good... LA? Yeah. Wow. He's doing really well. Good for him. Uh, he's been on the podcast twice. Yeah. Great, great dude. Uh, he, he's, he was just like, seems like a pretty good time to start a podcast. So get off your ass and do it if you're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so many blogs that people yeah, read. Yeah, 500 million and there's yeah. 700,000 podcasts. Yeah. <clears throat> Yours would be like BC basketball. Or just be anything hoops. Yeah. Canada. Shoot the shit. Yeah. Tell me about like your, you know, if they played or coached for an extended period of time and talk about their journey. Let's do it. I want to be guest one. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what do you mean? I'd be a pretty good guest. Can you give me the fob and the key <clears throat> to your place? We'll tape it here. <laughs> sure. Let's do it on Wednesdays. <laughs> 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 let's do it sure man i'm in it'd be awesome what's the name gonna be illadelph do you even know what this is <laughs> i'm guessing it's philadelphia shirt i don't know it's the roots man the roots oh the roots they okay. have an album called illadelph half-life but they're from philadelphia i love the roots i was listening to the roots in elementary school they're so good live i haven't seen them live oh highly recommend like everything's live instruments man it's like unreal quest loves like phenomenal on the drums black thoughts like black one of the best so, mcs yeah. ever mm-hmm. 
and their band is unreal, right? I saw them in Squamish three yes. years ago. Really? Yeah. 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 Sick. Yeah. They were just here. They opened up Jazz Festival. Oh, yeah? It was literally the day we flew to Peru. My brother bought two tickets. He's like, okay, can I stay at your place? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in. I look. I'm like, oh, July 8th, July. Or like June 28th. I'm like, that seems like a familiar day to look at my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> Off to Peru. But I've seen it <laughs> twice, so it's all good. Yeah. Can we talk about the state of high school basketball right now? Absolutely. What does it look like? Because uh, I've heard Carl's opinion, and Carl, I want you to chime in on this. Absolutely. <clears throat> what does it look like right now? Uh, it's a bit of a mishmash. Um, we were, we're, next year, we're starting a season where the Fraser Valley is no longer, and the lower mainland is no longer. So the tiers, um, the tiers have been one thing, right? Jumping to having four, four tiers to the 4A level. Mm-hmm. And then now having like all new divisions and new leagues. So we're no longer playing in the independent league. We are part of the Fraser Valley North. So the Fraser North we're called. So we will be Burnaby, uh, Port Coquitlam, Maple Ridge is our league now. So we're going to have actual <laughs> league games? We have uh, Burnaby, Poco, Maple Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just skipping cities along the way? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense so geographically. BC School Sports uh, made the decision and they they kind of geographically said, just because the development that's happened in Surrey, right? Um, Surrey for a long time wanted to split up and just be independent and go split, split themselves into two because there's so many schools. Mm. Um, like Maple Ridge, for example, Maple Ridge High School is going to be 4A next year. That's how many people have moved out that way, hmm. right? And they, so they've gone from a double A to 4A in, you know, a three, four year span. But it's going to be interesting because I think when you added the fourth tier, you took a lot of history away. And then, you know, changing the leagues and the regions, you know, that when you say Fraser Valley, right, or Lower Mainland Championship, people think, you know, in the 80s and 90s, BCIT, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then they think, you know, Kits or wh- whoever was hosting. And then, you know, it's been at the Oval for the fat past 10 years or whatever. So it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how it's all going to play out. Like, it's going to be weird. Like for us, we're double A size. But if we played double A, we would have two other teams in our league. That's it for one berth or maybe a half berth to provincials. So you know, as a program, what's the end goal? Is it just to make provincials or is it to have a competitive way to make provincials, right? right? And that's not to say that we would make the BCs every year, right? I'm not disrespecting the other programs, but, you know, at the 3A level, there's just more teams and more opportunity and an actual league, you know, for us to compete in. Whereas we haven't even, we haven't played in the independent league at the senior level for like five, six years. Really? Yeah, because we're 3A, Vancouver College and Saints are 4A. St. Pat's and Notre Dame are double A. So we're the only team. We're the only 3A (laughs) team. And so, you know, Saints and VC built their programs to a point where, you know, we were just getting thumped on, right? And so what we're really getting out of it. And then if you go and lose a couple of double A games, well, they, when they go to seed you in the lower mainland, that hurts your seeding, right? So it's like, oh, well, you lost to Notre Dame or you lost to St. Pat's and you know, we just took the approach, like, let's have the best AAA schedule we can and play the best games, right? Um, besides that, we're in a time where the training thing is, a, it's an interesting, 
I don't know what, what word to use. It's an interesting time we are in with that. And the individual skill thing as opposed to, you know, basketball always being like a team sport. So for me, I get it. Um, but as an old school guy, right, I'm only 41, but it's, I have a hard time um, with a lot of it because, you know, now you have a kid whose parents say, well, you know, we just, he played for whatever all summer. How come he doesn't play? Like, well, you know, you still might only be the eighth person on that team, but what's wrong with just being the eighth person on St. Thomas More Knights or whatever team? Like, I think we're losing the pride in just being able to make a team and have a jersey, right? We're losing the, just that, what that effect can have, right? Like, you know, I think of a lot of the guys that you guys played with that were just honestly happy to be on the team and showed mm -hmm. up every day and did what was asked and were great guys and committed and cheered everybody on and never asked for anything, right? And that's not to say that kids are asking for anything, but I think we're just setting them up, you know, not necessarily for success, right? And I think we're kind of masking the reality, right? Like when you guys played, it was, you made the BC team and there was no other option, right? Mm -hmm. You went to camps or you played at Bonzer or you played at Cameron or you just worked on skills by yourself, right? Now there's just so many options for these kids, but I don't know, are we actually getting the game better? Like, are more kids going to university? Are more kids playing the next level? I don't, I don't, I don't see it yet. Mm -hmm. So who is it? Like, is it, is it on the people that's, that are getting paid to train these kids? Uh, is it on me as a high school coach? I don't know. Um, well, that's my question is who, who's not setting them up for success. It seems like having more programs for more kids to be involved in sounds like a good thing. Absolutely. So, so why is that creating this entitlement then? Well, I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's the model that some, some of the programs are setting up. Um, you know, there's some programs that will take less kids and have three teams, mm. right. And some will take you know, a ton of kids and, um, you know, maybe the best kids might not even be paying a dime to be there. Right. So, um, I, I guess entitled, you know, maybe I'm being just a little bit harsh there, but just kind of the idea of why can't we just take being on a team and being a role player on a team? That's life. Like you're not always going to be the CEO. You're not always going to be the manager you're gonna to have to play a role on a team to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. And if you can't learn those skills in high school in a something that's extracurricular, mm -hmm. whether it's basketball or whatever else, then that's kind of our job, I think, as a high school coach, right? But I think these kids come in with ideas and have been told things that <clears throat> maybe aren't true and that, oh yeah, you can play at the next level. And I think we need to be realistic with them. It's not to turn the, you know, shoot them down, but, are we developing their actual weaknesses or are we just feeding them, you know, lies and telling them that, that they'll, that they'll get there. And what are we doing to make sure that they get there and ensure mm -hmm. they get there and then having families believe that they're going to get there too. Right. So, um, basketball in BC is interesting right now, you know, like we're not seeing our best kids that play, they don't play for the provincial team anymore. Um, I think basketball BC's the last couple of years been aware and they've made a good effort. They've gotten kind of more on the national team model where, they pick the team early and then, hey, go play for your club, right? We're going to practice on this weekend. We're going to practice on this week. And then club season kind of ends and they have, you know, like a 12-day window before they go off. So they practice together for that, which I think is a good model. 
Um, I'd like to see, I'd like to see the clubs and those coaches let their, let their kids go and play. Like, I think, you know, if, if you're going to go to Vegas and you're going to go all these places and play in those big tournaments to get seen, man, the, the Canadian nationals, there's coaches there too. Right. And I think, um, it'd be good if we ha- we could suit up our best team and, and send them out just to see where we're at. Cause it's tough because Quebec and Ontario are always going to kill everybody because they just have the numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't have the numbers, but we still have the skill and the talent. And I think it's important for us, you know, as a province to be on the same page. So it's, it's very mishmashed right now. There's a lot of muddy water. There's a lot of people fighting and, you know, jockeying for position and, and I, at the end of the day, I personally got into coaching for kids, right? And I think it's at times we're losing sight of that and what's most important. So Is that just the way it's going, though? Like, when you look at the States, who's so much further advanced than we are in, yeah. in the sporting world, mm-hmm. do they even have state teams? Like, in Canada, when we grew up, it was all, the only thing really to do in the summer was provincial team. Yeah. And so all the best kids were trying out for yeah. provincial team. Right. Whereas in the States, it was all club teams. It was all yeah. AAU. Yeah. I don't even know if they had state teams. No, they don't. No, it's just an it's AAU model. AAU. Yeah. So it's, why isn't that a good thing if we're shifting towards that, which means more kids get to play right. every summer. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not developing the best kids as much because the competition is spread out across mm-hmm. 100 teams rather than one provincial team. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're not developing as quickly. Right. But it's getting more kids to play. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I, you know, I think, or do you think having a hundred teams, there's one best player on each team so that one best player on a hundred teams think they're the man and they go back to high school and they're really a mediocre high right. school player. Yeah. And I guess it also depends on how do we, how do we measure basketball getting better in right. the province? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how do we measure like maybe the gap between the bottom of the bench, like maybe the eighth man is more skilled now than they used to be. Right. Right. Um, so there's that, but you know, in terms of guys moving on and I can only speak from the boys because coach girls, but you know, how, how many kids are we actually moving on and then are, you know, playing their whole eligibility or going on to play pro after like, is it actually happening? I don't have that barometer, but, you know, sometimes I watch and I'm like, holy smokes, this doesn't seem great. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, I'm semi-clouded by, I just, you know, I, th- there's truth to be said that there's just way more kids playing. Right. Right. Like, you know, in, in the mid nineties, way back when, in the peach baskets, when I played with leather belts <laughs> and Converse all-stars, like we had Terry Fox high school, you had Port Moody and you had Centennial. Like those were your three schools in the whole Tri-Cities. There were no other high schools, right? You've got Glen Eagle, you've got Riverside, you've got Heritage Woods, you've Best. got Charles Best. Yeah. And I'm sure we're missing a couple, you know? So it's like, there's more kids. And so yeah, that's going to water it down a little bit, you know? But it's just interesting. I think I think people started, you know, the clubs and these systems and we didn't all just sit down and figure out what everyone's model is. And I get people got to, you know, they got to do things and they've got to put bread on their table. So that's, I'm never going to knock someone for that. Um, I just like to ensure that, you know, everybody across the board has the kids' best interests. Right. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting time. Like I honestly wouldn't be surprised as sad as it is to say in five, six years, maybe there's no more high school basketball or like Ontario that the club season means way more. 
Right. Like my buddies that coach out there in Ottawa and stuff, they say, I mean, high school, they have a championship, but it's not, you know, it's not what it, it's AAU is what, what matters. And I think maybe some of the old dogs, including myself, are just hanging on to that too much. Maybe we're hanging on to like BC high school boys basketball, right? Um, maybe it's a combination of all that, but uh, it's, it's interesting. It's Has different. the quality gone downhill? I mean, I think so. I, I think the quality of play has gone down. I think see a lot more zone, yeah. right? You know, you don't, I don't know. Is if it the quality teaching. or is it the like work ethic? Is it the dedication? Is it there aren't as many kids or with the rise of social media and cell phones and like stuff that we didn't really have or was just starting when we were in high school? Mm-hmm. Does that take time away from kids actually caring about sports? Do we really want to get into cell phones and social media? Yeah, 100%. Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, again, I think it's a combination of all of it, right? Um, I think for one, I think schools aren't making, po- uh, you know, extracurricular a priority anymore. And that's not just basketball, music, arts, and I think that's where one, you create the culture of a school. Yeah. And I think two, that's where, you know, kids feel attached. And three, that's where they learn the most. Like as a high school teacher, I know it's probably bad, but sorry, like, you know, geography is not where you learn. You're going to learn some stuff about geography, but you have to go on a road trip to the island and pack your bag and be away for a couple nights and be a part of a team mm-hmm. and play a role. Like that's where you really learn about what adult life is kind of like you get a little taste of it right and 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 so, have like a food budget and all that kind of stuff too right? yeah first sure. give you a hundred bucks for a weekend yeah good luck for you yeah, if go, you spend it all in a day yeah what are you gonna do go 40 on the ferry before you're even off the boat <laughs> right um which on the ferry is like a cheeseburger and fries yeah. but um yeah i i don't know yeah it's just it's just interesting and and so i think the you know and not to knock the public system, but I just think, you know, you can't, can't even ask a new teacher in an interview, like, what do you want to do extracurricular? It's just not allowed to be asked, right? Whereas you look at St. Thomas More and other schools, you know, like, it's got to be 85, 90% of our staff are involved in something extracurricular, mm-hmm. right? Something, even if they just donate mm-hmm. their time to like the chess club after school twice a week, like they're doing something that allow the kids to have an extra opportunity what would that percentage look like in public schools? Oh, like 25? Yeah, that would be, I was going to say 30. Yeah. That's just a guess. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we're there's just more nine to fivers, right? Um, and for me, that just, for me, it's just boring. Like if I just did my job and went home, I'd be like, mm, that was kind of unsatisfying, mm-hmm. you know? Have you lots feel of like good a things. robot almost, like you're, you don't, you're not connected to the work. Mm-hmm. You're not connected to kids and like helping them yeah you're and just you, presenting you, material right for sure and like you got to make time to to connect with the kids in the classroom but still there's limited time right mm-hmm. and that's where you really get to know them right and that's where you know people like carl want to come back and coach right mm-hmm. and because they felt like they were a part of something bigger than themselves so i think there there's that so i think you know i running the chancellor tournament 16 teams first week back after christmas when you guys played in like 07, 08, 09, those times, which isn't that long ago, it was 15 teacher coaches, right? Now it's less than half. Mm. And God bless them for giving up their time. 
you know, whether it be a dad who follows his son up for three years, you know, 10, 11, 12, and then is gone and we don't see the program again, or, uh, you know, someone who's has another job and it's like, Hey coach, can you, uh, can we get this time to play and can we get that time? And it makes it hard. It's a 16 team tournament. That's eight games a day. Like to get people those times, right. It's hard. So, and we have three or four that come from out of town, like, you know, Prince George last year. So obviously they're getting a late game and, you know, just those little things, um, it, it's changed the landscape because if you don't have the teachers in the building that are the coaches, you're already losing connection. Right. So, you know, that poor coach is doing their nine to five, they get in their car, they text their wife, who's already mad that they're coaching and say, <laughs> babe, I'll see you at seven 30. Like, don't worry about me for dinner. I'll get a Whopper junior on the way home. Then they get to practice and they find out, you know, two of their kids got in trouble that day. And why are they in that practice? You know, it's just, it's just different. Right. And then you can't build the same connection doing extracurricular so i think we're missing a lot there um and it's not a knock on anyone it's just the reality that we're seeing and and then like you say i think there's just more and more kids that just want to be less and less involved like i think gym rats are you know they're just not as many you know uh i think probably the last group that we had was probably 2012 that where it was kids that we just like constantly kicking out of the gym you know mm. um shout out Shout out Brocast, I think gave you a key to the school, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you know, and that obviously with liability and there's things that you just can't do anymore, but <clears throat> that gym is open from 645 till 820 every morning. And it's probably one of the nicest gyms in the province. And I'm like, guys, you know, the, it doesn't lead to results, right? So we got to teach the kids. You have to teach them everything now. So it's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Have you seen that like that difference in the work ethic in other places at the school, like maybe educational wise or in terms of like teachers or I know students just like hard work. Ah, uh, I think the I think the kids are dedicated, but I think I think kids are dedicated at least at our school to. We were talking about this in the elevator on the way up was you know that that GPA right that final result that mm -hmm. what's going to get me to McGill or what's going to mm -hmm. get me to UBC or where I need to and go you still see that grind a lot or do you for see sure. it less I, you less? know I think our kids our kids for a whole but I mean you know we're a private school right so a lot of the kids are sent there to get an education and get a good education and you know we have good teachers and quality teachers who care and a lot of them go above and beyond to make sure that the kids get where they need to go right so you know at our school I think the kids are pretty dedicated in the classroom and they're concerned. Um, but also like, <coughs> excuse me, I think society's told them like, like why at 17 do you have to have it figured out what you want to do for the rest of your life? And why is there this huge pressure that if you don't get a 90, whatever, you can't get into UBC and like, <coughs> why are we only focused on UBC and SFU? Like there's a lot of good places in our province or outside of the province that you can go. <coughs> I need to swig in my beer. <laughs> <coughs> Or like, it is okay to go to BCIT. Like, I'm pretty sure they're short a lot of tradespeople, you know, like, or follow the path of your dad and become a co-owner, you know, or owner one day of a construction company. Like, there's ways to build <clears throat> um, that. So I think there's just so much pressure on kids, plus so many distractions. Do I sound old yet? Or <laughs> what do you... Uh... <laughs> That's an interesting point because I, obviously with my situation, the value of my education mm -hmm. was pretty minimal. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like there's so many 
I learned so much more working in a business, right? Work learning about life and how to figure out my adulthood mm -hmm. rather than going to <laughs> anthropology 101 in, right. in university. Right. Do you think kids are figuring that out that the value of education doesn't necessarily set you up for success in real life? Meaning like a degree from UBC, SFU, whatever school throughout Canada mm -hmm. is still just going to get you an entry level job. Yeah. Do you think they're figuring it out early? Because with us, it seemed like we were brainwashed in high school saying like, you have to take this path. Mm -hmm. You have to go to one of these top schools. That's going to set you up for success. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you don't go to university, you're a loser. Right. Yeah, that yeah. was the thing. Right. Are kids, are kids aware that that is not the case? I don't think so. But I think the way education is going is it's teaching them that, right. Just to be more well-rounded and, mm. um, and I think, you know, for older teachers, it's, they feel like we're being softer on kids. But I think if, you know, I'm my 16th year, if I'm still teaching in my 16th year, the same way I did my second, well, that's a problem. Right. right? And if I'm still teaching in my 30th, the same way I was in my 16th, it's a problem. Like mm -hmm. I need to adapt and grow with the times. Right. And kids learn different. They process different. They pr process less. So like, and I think because there is so much information out there, they are smarter in a lot of ways, right? Like we're talking about kids that now have goals to blog, work mm -hmm. at a cafe and play music at night. Like mm -hmm. they might have three little things that they do mm -hmm. to make a good salary, right? Or two things that are more of a passion thing, right? So I think they're getting it. I wouldn't say that it's as black and white as like, oh, I'm not, I don't need to pay attention to that. But I don't lie to my kids. Like in leadership class, I say, I went to Brandon University. Do you know where Brandon is? Like, right? But I knew my first five, six years, I had five, six buddies that had no job and had a UBC degree in education, mm -hmm. right? But I made connections, kept those connections, never burnt bridges, always tried to be a positive person, volunteered my time and tried to build my resume so that when I needed to fall back on those people and the way I got my job was like so random, right? So in the end... <clears throat> It is just a piece of paper and the real learning occurs once you jump into that career, right? And then just letting them know that it's okay to be two years in and not really know or like what they're doing or start their career and not really like what they're doing. Like it's okay to make those changes, right? And because it's your job, like it's a huge por portion of your life. And like you were saying, what did you say? Brain, you use the term brainwashed, right? It's like, are we creating robots? And I think the way we're going is we're not. We're looking at, okay, we need to create well-rounded people. Mm -hmm. And I always think of um, Thierman and Chung, right? When they were both applying for solder, I think. And Chung's had a better GPA and he was so choked that Thierman got accepted before him because a lot of the Asian people that were getting into solder had great GPAs, but they they couldn't carry a meeting. They couldn't have a conversation. They just, you know, were socially inept. And so it was like they were actually making us change to like try and get less in, which is interesting, right? Like it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just interesting what they're looking at. And so now with the way high school education is becoming this whole sort of well-rounded 360 person as opposed to just best GPA, are our universities going to adapt and, and work with us? Or is it still like we were talking, is it going to be all right, you have a midterm worth 60 and you have a final worth 40 yeah. and spit out everything that I've taught you, right? 
And if it is, well, it's still going to be the same product. And then you're going to get in the real world and go, wow, like, okay, here's reality, right? Is the so. curriculum adjusting in the right ways right now, though? Um, and, uh, nothing has really been changed. Like, it's just been kind of talked about. It's more, not necessarily what we're teaching them, it's yeah. how, okay. right? It's how we teach them. Like, we have technology in the classroom now. We can get them to do, you know, a video presentation. We can have them do group work and assess themselves and each other, right? So it's more it's more getting people away from that, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know. And it's still, we're still in like a trial and error, error mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? Like it's it's not even implemented yet. And it's been tweaking for the last year and a half, two years. And we're getting to a point where it's almost going to be finalized. So, but, you know, like anything else, we won't see the final product probably for three, four years. Like, our grade 10s won't even be, we won't be able to tell, right? It'll be probably our current grade 7s that in five years, once they get to high school, we'll know when they graduated if if the process worked, you know? Is there any emphasis or are they talking about, I don't even know how you would bring this into some sort of curriculum, but Mm. one of of the things you mentioned was you built your network along the way. Mm -hmm. And for me in business, that's been one of the absolute biggest keys to finding some sort of success is learning how to network and communicate with people. Whereas I feel like high school didn't teach you that at all. Yeah. Well, didn't just didn't yeah. even acknowledge it. Yeah. It was just like, here's the book, Sit this is the desk. test, learn these things. Yeah. And then regurgitate them yeah. to me in a month. Yeah. Yeah. I think for sure that's one of the things. So regardless of whether you're an electrician, a yeah. teacher, a business person, a janitor, like you need to yeah. communicate. Yeah. And totally. I felt like it kind of failed on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I think you make a good point. There's nothing in the model right now for anything like that. Mm. But one of the things is, did you guys take planning? Yeah. Well, so pl- I think it came out when we were in grade 10 or 11. So our year was the first year mm-hmm. and then uh, they canceled it like three quarters through the year. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they brought it back and then they canceled it again. So now it's called career life education. Okay. And so we do it offline. So myself and two other teachers do it and we have all the grade 10s and so we do um you know like financial literacy we do we make them last year we had 60 alumni i think you got me email you weren't around we did interviews right Mm -hmm. um and so they had to sit through an interview and talk to them about dressing professionally and eye contact and body language and and all those things and i think i i agree i think we're missing but again you know from a educational perspective there's the pressure to check so many boxes sure right so how do you do it all but i i think you make a great point because if you get in the business world i mean any world really like you're in construction but if you can't carry on a conversation and convince someone that you're going to be able to do the good job well then they're never going to select you right so even just being liked is so undervalued yeah right if, if I'm an accountant and you're an accountant and mm. you're an asshole to everyone yeah. and I'm super nice, yeah. I'm probably moving up the ladder quicker than you are. For sure. For if sure. our skill sets are similar. Right. right? Social skills. Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, we, we do it in leadership class, but they're like grade 12 by then. Yeah. Right. And these are things that, and I think we're, we're getting there as a school. If I speak for our school, like this year, our grade eights came in and we did, we took their first two days and we just did a total startup with them from how to operate in the school, what what appropriate behavior is, uh, how to use your Chromebook appropriately, social media use appropriately, right? And then if we can grow and develop and build on that in terms of, you know, the social stuff, I think we'll start to see good results, right? But I, 
you know, like you say, in that it's in that world where that degree you need it, but in the end, it doesn't mean a lot. Yeah. And then if you don't have the skills socially to to make things happen, it's a tough road, right? What does that grade eight orientation look like? Because it would be so different than ours. Squeaky. Like, hey, John. Yeah. No dick pics, okay? Don't yeah. send dick pics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't there, so I can't speak on it. But, you know, just more of that, like, teaching kids, like, think about before you hit send, like, think about what you're saying. Is it about someone, you know? And I think kids, you know, the jokes that used to happen mm -hmm. in high school were just between two people or a group and totally. it was with their voice, right? Yeah. And it was, but now it's actual physical evidence. And I don't think kids get that. I don't think they, they understand the effect that it has on themselves and others, right? So yeah, it's so many things to work on them with. How do you create awareness though? Because that, that would be super difficult trying to educate a 13 year old mm -hmm. on, look, if you say something negative about someone on social media, I potentially could stay with you for the rest of your life and hurt mm -hmm. your career. Totally. How do you educate them on that? Uh, we get, I mean, we, well, we will get guest speakers in, right? You know, people that know more about it than we do and, mm -hmm. and the effects of it. And they can pull up some crazy stuff like examples of people and some of the apps that they have and they can figure out like, they'll even, you know, pick out what kids are doing even during the presentation, right? And like the software that's out there is phenomenal, right? So there's so many things. And, you know, think about like, I'm 41, think about some teachers that are, Totally. You know, in their late fifties, right? And mm -hmm. it's like it's overwhelming. Like, let alone, you know, when you guys were in high school, we did Scantron attendance, <laughs> and they ran it through every, you know. And now it's like I go on my phone, I have the app, doot doot, and I put, you know what I mean? Just that alone. So, but it happened so fast, right? Like the mm. social stuff happened so fast so that fast. if you weren't someone that was in tune with it, it just became overwhelming, and then people get overwhelmed, they just want to shut down, right? Mm. So I think it's teachers one making it a priority in their classroom to like go through it and talk to them about it consistently um but it's crazy man like you have a pep rally and you walk in and the, the kids are filing in and there are 200 kids sitting there waiting and half of them are on their phone right music's playing candy's being thrown in the crowd and you know they're on their phone so unfortunately a lot of it is just live and learn you make the mistake own it Right. I think that's what a lot of high school is for is to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Right. And then not make kids feel really bad about it, but like to have them learn and learn a lesson and then to move on and forgive them because they're going to consistently screw up. And like, I think as a school, that's our job, but I don't know if you can't get to the point where you're going to avoid it all. Right. They're going to, someone's going to send something that they shouldn't, but right. just, you know, it gets a little concerning when we're talking about like sending things like, you know, laugh about it but like you know sending body parts and stuff and you're just like you know you're 15 like do you really want this out there for like when you're 35 you're really gonna regret that but i when i was 15 i don't wasn't thinking about what i was gonna be when i was 35 right totally. so yeah it's it's crazy it's interesting in the pdp meetings and all the these things that you're going to talking about uh adjusting curriculum mm-hmm is there a lot of, um, is there much, are they talking about like using technology and okay, you talked about a pep rally, half the kids in the school are on their phones. Right. Why aren't we utilizing all the tools at right. the kids disposal right. to continue education, right. to educate them? Like you look at 
career paths in the last 10 years and you see people who are influencers on Instagram yeah. making yeah. millions of dollars a year, yeah. right? Whereas like we're like popcorn on the head and yeah. Like, yeah. Whereas I remember sitting in a planning class, maybe in grade 10 and going through this like questionnaire online mm-hmm. and the result was you should be a physiotherapist. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like, are, are they actively Patient. looking at how to rather than say you need to be off your phone for eight hours a day, mm-hmm. why not using the technology available? Yeah. No, well, I think there are, we, we have teachers in class. So, you know, there's apps where you can, um, you know, cause a lot of kids don't like to speak up. Right. So sure. you can get them to post their answer on the screen. Right. Um, we have, every kid has a Chromebook now. They also have, you know, for me, every kid in the school has a Chromebook. Chromebook. Yeah. We're one-to-one now. Yeah. One-to-one. They, get at the start of the year and they return it at the end of the year. So we all have Google Classroom. So we're pretty much paper free now, other courses like math, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, the the assignments that the kids get or even just like the course outline is just online now, right? So we're getting there. But again, you've got, you know, what's our, our youngest teachers? 26, our oldest teachers, 63. Right. Like that's a wide range of people and people are only going to get so on board and step so out of their comfort zone. Right. Um, You know, they're not like me. They're not like me. You like the three of us. Right. Like they're not willing to try new things in the same way. Right. And I get that because it's just it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I think in the older you get, the harder it becomes to make yourself vulnerable like that. But, you know, I think some of our younger teachers are doing cool things, using the Chromebooks, using your phone you know, doing it for good. Right. But that's not when the bad stuff happens. It happens, you know, on break, it happens in the calf when they're bored and someone's walking in the hall and all of a sudden you can film someone or, you know, Mm -hmm. that's when it happens. But yeah, I I think that you go to a pro D conference, most likely there's a speaker or a presentation on either using cell phones in the classroom or, you know, social media awareness, right? And how to use it appropriately, you know, so. What what are the big things right now with kids in social media? Like what do they use? Yeah. A Snapchat is like the go-to. Is it? Yeah, it's 100% the go-to. It's funny because it's like that age. It's like 12 to 18, right? Mm-hmm. I think I've sent probably I have less it. than 12 I, snap, snaps. Snaps. Yeah. You call them snaps? Yeah. Now I'm dating myself. Yeah. Snaps, snaps. in my life. Yeah. It's like... uh you get streaks, right? So when we snap each other a day, we get one day. So some kids will have, you know, they'll have a 900 day streak and they'll get rattled because parents will take them to couch and lake and there's no service for the weekend. No, no word of a lie. The kids will leave their phones with a friend and be like, can you snap Carl? Because Carl and I have a streak and we, why is that important? They just, they get new emojis and like, it's just, and, and I'm talking about like, you're walking the hall and you take a picture of the floor. That's how you keep your streak or you just go like, and take a selfie and it with a goofy face. Like that's how you keep your streak serious for real. So you, like the software is just finding ways to make it addicting. Yeah. You just keep going, 100%. keep using it every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So is TikTok a, a thing in high school right now? TikTok is coming. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> Had a couple kids in leadership show me their TikToks today. I was like, huh, great. Yeah, it's but it's, it's pretty big. It's just like pretending to sing to a famous song, right? Just limp sick. Yeah, like but video. now they're even doing things like 
you can make an actual video if you want with music playing and you don't have to actually lip sync to it. Like, I think that was the intention. Although TikTok's probably just like, do whatever you want with it. But yeah, yeah just turning it into another platform. But Snapchat for sure. I mean, and that's the thing is you take the risk of having cell phones in your class. Like, our, and you know, we go day one, day two. So you may teach whatever math nine on Monday, but a different math nine on Tuesday does the math nine class already know my test because someone's taken a picture of it by the next, you know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. Are phones a big problem in classroom? Like, are you always just telling people to put their phones away, this and that? It depends on the class. Like some teachers just have a basket at the front and just collect and collect Mm -hmm. them. And other teachers are okay with it. You know, my leadership. Every class they take cell phones away. Some teachers. Yeah. Jesus. Cause I can imagine people just on it the entire time. Mm -hmm. But that's up to you. That's up to them. We live it up to the discretion of the teacher, right? So. I don't know. I can't see any way that that's beneficial to be like, uh, you need to give me all your information now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like that. Well, they turn them off. Hmm. Turn them off and then they take them at the end of the class. But yeah, I don't know. I think in five years from now, that's going to look like a kid getting the belt or something. Right. Yeah. 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 The teacher took your cell phone away. Yeah. Holy shit. How old are they? But what do you, what do you do? You're teaching and like half the class isn't paying attention. No one's answering questions because everyone's just looking at their phones. Mm. Isn't that frustrating? Or you could just say you you can have them on your person, but I don't want to see them out. Right. Right. But I don't know. I think if you create a good classroom environment and you, and the kids trust you and they respect you and you go out of your way to show them that you care about them, then the cell phones won't be an issue. Right? Do you think the difficulty level of being a teacher has gone way up? Yeah. With technology? For sure. I think so. Even just like... Just discipline. Like, we don't do detentions anymore. There's no go to room 111 or whatever. What? So what do you guys do? See you tomorrow? I mean, you deal with it. Right. right? You deal with it as appropriately as you can as an in, in-class teacher. Mm-hmm. If it's something further, then obviously admin will deal with it. And if it, you know, a parent needs to be called or, you know, something like that, then you mm-hmm. do it. But right now, it's... Oh, there's no detention. Yeah. Yeah. Are, uh, going back to our high school days. Yeah. Someone (laughs) complained. Going back to our high school days and even I'm sure before there was obviously inappropriate things that teachers said to people and it wasn't like, Oh wow. Okay. It wasn't that inappropriate, but like teachers would swear. for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Play the outro music, Carl. <laughs> what I'm getting at yeah. is our teachers more, obviously they have to be more aware of their behavior, but are they like almost on edge in class? I don't think of so. Like I think saying so. the wrong thing and a kid has their video camera out kind of thing. I think some are. Yeah. And it's happened. And the kid did, maybe not the teacher saying the wrong thing, but we've caught a video of someone, right? And so that's, you know, it's a major thing that the kids need to learn. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, again, like, Certain teachers that have a more sarcastic humor, I think, have developed relationships with the kids, right. you know, so they can have that banter or whatever, right? So I wouldn't say kid, t- teachers walk into a classroom like freaking out about it every day, but they're aware. Yeah. They're definitely aware. Yeah. And it's something that you always constantly have to have in the back of your mind for mm-hmm. sure. Right? Um, Is there education or do you guys talk about social media use for like the faculty? 
Because I would assume yes. that would have been a fairly big learning experience when it. Yeah. In your, I mean, we talk about just, you know, you should have nobody that you're teaching at a time on any of your platforms, right? Everything should be private, you know? Um, but again, you know, as an adult. How do you control a kid, like a student following you though? Well, if, I, if my Instagram's private and they request, then I can just say no, right? But if it's open, they can follow me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that said, if you have like a traveler blog and it's open, well, that's no big deal, right? You can't control that. And, right. But, you know, if you have things that, you know, you don't want to share or whatever. But I also think, you know, before it was like Facebook came, I was like, do not be friends with your students. And it's like, well, really, like, what are you putting on there that you're worried about, you know, having a friend as a student, right? Yeah. So, um, I think at the end of the day, you've got to just, they're, they're adults and they have to, if they make, if they screw up, they have to be prepared for the repercussions, right? You can't train them on everything. I mean, here's what it is. Here's what it looks like. Here's what is probably a really, 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 really good idea for your own safety, right? It's not an issue of you posting a picture of like when having a glass of wine in your hand, it's just what can happen once you open that can of worms, right? Yeah. So you're always protecting yourself. So mm -hmm. it's fine. I like using social media to be like bluntly honest. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like the environment of, and I, I'm sure a lot of occupations are like that, but it almost feels like it's breeding you to filter. You know what I mean? Like if you have an honest opinion about something that you see or a politician, mm -hmm. you probably can't say it mm -hmm. publicly. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of stuff and I just, just don't comment or whatever, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a conversation with someone else. Or that's you know? the other thing. If someone yeah. posts something mm -hmm. and it like builds some sort of emotional reaction in you and you're going to comment on it, mm -hmm. you're probably like, oh, I probably shouldn't comment. Absolutely. Well, I've done things where I've commented and like deleted right away or been yeah. like started and been like, what am I doing? You know? And, and then, you know, especially with even like a platform like Facebook, it's not even really the regardless of what I do, it's not really the platform to get into it anyways. So sometimes sure. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Right. But sure. you know, even just like the Trudeau thing that's just happened recently, like I have my own thoughts and opinions on it, but I'm like, I'm not about to let anyone know via something they can just screenshot. Right. right? And for sure you're, you know, you're bang on with that is, you know, commenting and things, you know, I have Twitter, Instagram, I have Snapchat, I have Facebook. Right. So it's like, you always got to think about who and what it, what's going out there. Mm. Yeah. But I think a lot of the teachers that are older than me probably don't even have those platforms. They probably right. have Facebook. And a lot of kids don't even use it anymore. Right. They don't even touch it. So, but yeah, you got to be conscious. Do you think with participation going down in extracurriculars for kids, do you think that alumni group that we have at STM dwindles away over time like it's obviously something that we value so much mm -hmm. like that basketball tournament and golf tournament every year right we love going to those yeah. types of things yeah do you think that camaraderie type of environment goes away never seen carl at the golf tournament side note never will carl can't swing golf club <laughs> that's not what it's about um <laughs> yeah it, interesting point i mean you look at i mean you look at that competitive division now and what's the old, what's the youngest team in the competitive division well, there's only four teams. Yeah. Right? So, what's the youngest team? 
There was a group that was maybe three years out of high school last year. Something like that. Yeah, like Carson's group and those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe even older. I think STM's but, original but even in those the kids sense aren't that, hanging around for a beer after and chatting. Yeah. Right? We've actually noticed it at Terry Fox too. I haven't made it the last couple of years, but same thing. Like they always do um, an event at Orange or whatever that place is. Orange? Yeah. Um, On the Friday night. I really like your accent though. Orange. (laughs) Isn't it double R? Isn't it double R? I think it's called Orange. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going with Orange. (laughs) All right. Suck it. Um, And the same thing we've noticed like. You know, our old coaches come and it's a pocket of the old guys. And then depending yeah. on where you are, if you have teenagers, you can stay a little longer. If you have little ones, you usually get home. Yeah. But the younger guys, like they're not into it. They're not into, they're not into, yeah, I don't know. Whereas like when I was younger and like 24 and going to that, I was like, oh my God, that's so-and-so who played at Fox. And, to, you know, like those are the guys that you looked up to and you wanted to emulate, right? So yeah. I don't know if that there's a gap there or they process it differently, but you're right. Like I, you might remember my first few years at STM just being blown away when I didn't, even, you know, I play, but I also help. And then like, you're like kicking people out of the cafe at midnight on a Thursday night, right? You're like, I've got to go home and work tomorrow. Like, please leave. But they just want to stay and socialize. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll die. Like, I think the events will still happen, but maybe just, maybe just the makeup of it will be different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I think it depends on where people are in their lives, but I, I think STM is unique in the sense that it it builds connection for people. Like it's a place that they do want to come back to. Maybe yeah. not right away, but eventually they enjoy it. So, yeah, I don't know. Has your coaching style changed at all? Oh, 100%. Yeah? Yeah. How so? Well, I just... You were pretty aggressive with us, to be honest. <laughs> you can let me answer the question. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, when I first started coaching, you know, I when I was, I was 25 when I first, my first year teaching, right? Um, it's not young, but it's not super old either, right? So actually 24, turned 25, yeah. Um, you know, and I thought I was going to be, you know, like my, my Rich Chambers or Goulet, you know, one of these guys and not in terms of their personality, but just my dedication level and, you know, what I wanted to do. And then over the years, I just realized like, holy smokes, like I want to have a family. I want to have a wife. I need some balance in my life. And, you know, why is it one in the morning and my heart rate's up and I'm thinking about 16 and 17 year old basketball players, like annoying, being annoying and not executing what we want. Right. Like, and, and also being more reflective and open being like, maybe it's me. Right. And much like teaching, I don't, I don't think it's healthy for me to be the same coach over all these years, all those years. Plus I probably health wise wouldn't have made it. <laughs> right. And so like, I constantly think back to years, other years that I've coached and be like, Oh, I wish I would have done this differently and not in a negative way, but I just feel like that's part of your own personal growth. Right. Sure. Um, I just did what I knew how to do when I coached you guys. And I feel like I'm more, I've learned a lot more. I've seen different styles. I've opened my mind to other, you know, other ways to get it across and do different things. Um, and change the change those things so some former players and people that have coached have said oh i'm getting soft i don't necessarily think it's soft i just think it's different right again kids are different like we could do certain drills and you know speak to a, a certain way with you guys and you would respond right you would respond um the kids that we coach now like i don't know if they would respond to it right and I also realized at some point, like, if you consistently be that way and have that behavior, I'm just going to turn you off. Like, mm. 
just going to stop listening, right? You can't constantly be riding someone and have them always be engaged in what you're saying. They're just Mm going to shut you out, right? And so just that learning and growing over my, my life, right? But yeah, I was aggressive and I was, I was a yeller, but then I was kind of like, what am I doing? Like, I can still have the moments of emotion where I'm bothered, right? But it can't be on every friggin' play and it can't be on every little thing, you know? So, you know, just, I think you just learn that over time and, and at least challenge yourself to change or think differently and adapt. So, yeah. For whatever reason this, this afternoon, I was thinking about like some thinking back to grade 12. Yeah. And there were some specific moments oh, that I right. remember. <laughs> Play the outro music. Wal- Walnut Grove, Peony. What happened in Walnut Grove? Yeah, the Agrodome, that was not a good game. Against Walnut Grove? Yeah, we were like down at halftime. Like, and they just, they, they, they threw the ball to the left side and ran sideline break on us every time. And I was like, take away the sideline, take away the sideline. But of course, we just run middle, run back middle. It's just instinct, right? And all they would do is out and push it. And it's just like driving me nuts. And then we went in that corridor in the agrodome. We didn't even go to the locker room. And then I just lost it. I broke the clipboard and I threw it. But then also you realize you're in a corridor and like, I'm like, how far is this carry? Is this sound carrying right now? Like this cannot be good, right? We ended up, did we win? Yeah. Yeah, we won that I think we were like 20. Yeah. That, and that's not to say that that's because I lost my mind and acted a fool. It's Was that just, the second game? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what happened at the, uh, was it in the halftime or the end of the third? It might've been the end of the third quarter of that game. The Walnut Grove game? Yeah. No. What happened? So it was Why after was it, you were upset. Give me that look. It was after you were upset at halftime. Okay. And I think I had a pretty good third quarter. Okay. Like I hit a few shots. Yeah. And at the end of the third quarter, we ran some ISO play. Yeah. And it was like four, three, two. Yeah. And I was like six or eight feet outside the three point line. Yeah. And I hit a deep shot. Yeah. And I, whatever, run over to the sideline. You just whisper to me, you're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the same game. Yeah. So you're probably so pissed at halftime. Yeah. And then we probably had a pretty good third quarter. Yeah. And the, in, in those of those moments, right? I think, you know, kids are going to, especially younger kids are going to feed off your emotion, right? They're looking at you for your leadership. And if you're constantly like this, well, they're going to be like that, right? And I think the more that you can be like this, mm-hmm. they'll when things are going rough, hopefully they'll collect themselves and things are going well, they won't get too ahead of themselves, right? And I think that's part of it. So, you know, I think those moments probably happen for me a little more. Like I'll crack a couple jokes in practice, you know, and like poke fun at each other as opposed to just constantly being, because you don't look down and it's like, I mean, your guys' years, we were spitting out CIS athletes for three years in a row, right? Mm-hmm. At least CIS level. Mm-hmm. Right between you know Carino and you guys and Curran and Jacob Blade and like I'm sure I'm missing other people but mm-hmm. you know whereas now it's like you look down and you know you've got just a handful of kids that probably over the next five six years might move on post secondary for anything right so it's like why am I just drilling the eleventh man for the Knights, you know, yes, I want them to be accountable and I want them to have the same expectation as the starters or whoever, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a different way to deliver that message. And there's no right or wrong, right? Some people respond to that. Some people don't. Um, My wife and I were watching some Oprah thing, probably get roasted for this, but (laughs) some Oprah thing on parenting the other night. And, and we were just, they would, it was interesting because they were just basically talking about we're products of our environment, right? And so when you parent, 
like you parent out of fear because you don't either you don't want it to probably be the way that you were taught or whatever you know what I mean so it's like I grew up playing for a lot of coaches that yelled and I responded well to it so I just naturally took that on mm-hmm. my dad was hard on me he was a bit of a yeller as a dad but I just responded well to it and so and then I realized okay like I don't have to be this way you know mm-hmm. so I think you're just a product of and that's not anyone's fault it's just how it works right and then it's up to you when you become older to choose to make changes or not right so do you <clears throat> saying that you don't necessarily have like a lot of people that are super interested in moving on playing sports mm-hmm. do you pull yourself out of it sometimes and think this is an opportunity to teach them life lessons through basketball mm-hmm. is that a conscious thought or is it always just like they're not taking a charge they're not playing defense well enough oh no i constantly like relate or try to relate like being part of the team uh, to life Mm -hmm. right so like if you're five minutes early for practice you're 10 minutes late Like you got to be here at least 15 minutes before and you got to be warming up in the hall it's you don't walk on the court and tie your laces up like if you show up to work a minute before work every day what's going to happen they go we're going to probably get fired (laughs) yeah or you're just not going to be very good at your job right Mm -hmm. and it won't require you to be very good so there's just so many things like being on time, being accountable, being a communicator, right? And I used to go, you know, go crazy. It's like, well, I'm going on the ski trip. I'm like, why would you go on the ski trip during season? It's like, you know what? You're 16, like go on the ski trip. But if you get hurt, you know, there's 12 other guys on this team that you may affect. But that's, you know, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. These are just the decisions you have to choose mm-hmm. and understand you're making, right? And, or, you know, if a kid got hurt or, you know, wanting to come back and but just if you're not going to be a practice communicate you know let me know and so just teaching them those things is you know you're nailing it in terms of my philosophy and my brain and where it's gone from being x and o's and like you know i would write college level scouting reports for you guys like we would have all the way to the eighth man and be like if he gets in force him left and don't let him shoot the three and he's a weak rebounder and da 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 and then now it's like we'll have some notes on a few kids and we probably won't even watch film the playoff time because we're more worried about the process mm-hmm. and worried about getting better as opposed to like just everybody else and and the kids have to learn how to react on their own against someone else right and it isn't college it's high school and i'm a volunteer so i think in in my philosophy 100 percent, i'd say i'm 180 um just more focused on those life lessons and what they can take and apply to their life after high school because that's ultimately really what it's for yeah winning games is great but if they don't take something away from the experience that's going to help them then what's the point really Mm -hmm. you know so yeah you're bang on with that huge thing for me now i don't know if you've seen it i mean it was more of an assistant role last year but i just Mm -hmm. think like and i you know let you and mike kind of do your thing a little more but i think you'll see it more this year is just all the little skills that you need because if it gives them advantage then hopefully they'll you know be thankful for playing because it helped them more than someone else who just kind of went to school and went home every day right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay let's take a really big 180 here oh boy i want to ask you about the adoption process let's end on this i don't know much about it i know that you've told me it took about a year and a half to even get an interview yeah 
But in my head, for some reason, I envision this interview, like these people coming into your home, you like suiting up in a tie (laughs) (laughs) and then them looking through your house and them seeing like 37 shoe boxes in your closet (laughs) and just being like, this guy has a shopping problem. Yeah. Yeah. He's housing in a Ford diapers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Can you just walk us through like what it actually takes to adopt? Eli's how old now? Three? He'll be three in November. Almost three. Yeah. Which is buck wild. So, and you won the lottery of adoption, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're kids, adorable, but he looks exactly like. <laughs> it's <you>. so weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> Hopefully, he can grow out of that through time, um, uh, and he doesn't have to end up looking at like me. But yeah, no, for sure. Like, y- y- you have to let go in sometimes and think like you're where you're supposed to be, right? Like yeah. he just fits in so well; it's yeah. almost like weird. So. Yeah. Um, Yes, we, we kind of started, we started the process in like July of 2015. Um, and we Googled, you know, adoption in BC. Uh, we had some, actually had a coaching friend who adopted from the same agency. Okay. And and we just got their story and heard what they did and end up being the same agency that we had looked at. We, we went through... Um, the government as well and went to a couple of information nights there but they focused more on international and we just thought you know just different things and you know things like um you know if you want to adopt in haiti and then some weather disaster happens like the adoption agency shuts down for eight months because they have to make sure every kid is accounted for right, right. you can't just start giving up kids for adoption when maybe their parents have survived you know or and just things like oh by the way we need x more thousands of dollars for you to you know just random things like that whereas it seemed like bc is local is a little more systematic you know and there was kind of just a little more structured so Mm -hmm. we used an agency in north van um and you have a meeting there kind of just talk about why and you know you look into is it newborn is it after three like what you know and then you, it's, it's quite interesting. It's like speed dating a little bit. Like they give you a profile. It's like you're checking boxes because some people are open to saying, you know, it doesn't matter if there's alcohol or drug abuse or smoking or, you know, so it's, yeah. you know, you, you, it's like, well, we've got to make all these decisions. And then, you know, things like choosing ethnicity and we're like, we just want to be a family. Like it didn't matter to us. Right. At that point, had you even thought about that stuff <coughs> or they're just throwing this questionnaire at you being like, we had talked out? about it before that okay. like, okay, they're probably going to want to ask us these things, mm-hmm. but you, you know, you're, you're trying to have a family and you never think about that. You're like, well, I'm Caucasian. You're Caucasian. We're going to have a Caucasian kid unless <laughs> you have a bad story to tell me. Like, <laughs> right. Um, so, but then, yeah, it's just like, well, I could care less if you're, you know, you're brown, like, and people give us weird looks, like you're part of our family, right? So, you know, is that there's that, and then, Rick, <coughs> the you have to meet with a social worker. So we had to do five meetings, and they tell you, you know, about the process of adoption and how it works, and you know, all the things that maybe you didn't think about. Oh my god, empty. <coughs> <coughs> Get edit out the coughing at. Uh, <coughs> um, a glass of water. <clears throat> I think I'm good. I think we're good. Um, yeah, and so you and you learn because adoption is now it's considered open, right? Um, it's no longer closed like you know in the '80s when it's just like gone and up to the you know the the child later down their life to maybe track down their birth parents or whatever. So we met the birth family before. Um, we created this profile. Um, you can choose to have it online. So you know a, a 
girl gets pregnant, she Googles adoption in BC, goes to this website, and there's all the profiles of the people that are up for adoption. Um, so she chooses you. Yeah. Interesting. So you get okay. shortlisted. <laughs> Um, so the birth mom picks three like families. Tinder. Like she swipes right to like it, a dozen people. Interesting. Uh, at any time on their website, they wouldn't have any more than 25, I believe. Okay. And you have single, you have lesbian, you have straight, you have whatever, you got everything. Right. So, um, and then there's also people that choose not to have their profile online. So there's a big book of a, you know, of the families. And so, she, you know, we, and then. So it took us about four months, about three months to get that process done. It was kind of around October, 2015, we were done. Mm -hmm. And then our profile went up. And so you can check in with the agency whenever you want. Like, What goes in that profile? Cause it, <laughs> yeah, it's, in, it's, yeah. Right? Because you're like, you're wanting to sound appealing to someone mm -hmm. to get picked. You don't just want to sit in that book for four years. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Totally. Is it like a questionnaire about who you are, what you do for a living? So the, there's a photo I'm the assuming. Agency, the agency gives you kind of an idea, but we basically just copied our friends yeah. because we really liked what we saw. And you also have to think about who you're focusing on. Probably a young teenager, right? Yeah. Right. Very rare is it, you know, an adult that's wanting to, you know, give up for adoption. So, you know, things like what's your favorite show? And, you know, like I was like, I didn't lie though. I was like, you know, Jay-Z is my favorite rapper, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's things like that. But yeah, it's, it's hard because you're like, you want to be authentic, but you also want them to catch your eye. You know, it yeah. is interesting. But I think for us, it was more, um, the birth father was around and I think he liked, he's a very active kid. And I think he really liked the fact that I was a PE teacher and involved in coaching and, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so we met them for dinner um, well before. Um and so we found out October 2016 and she was due in like five weeks. Yeah. So it's crazy, right? Um, Surprise, but with, get Yeah. But within that process, like you can contact the agency and they'll tell you, oh, you were picked twice this month. Like unless you actually get connected for a meeting, they yeah. won't tell you even if you're a shortlist, unless you ask because yeah. people will go crazy. So we told ourselves we'll ask once a month. And then we just realized that was making us more nuts. Cause then you're like, well, what's wrong with our profile? Is it us? Like why da, 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 you know? And like, they might've only had two birth moms come over a two month period. Right. right? So right. it's, how do you, it's just too many mind games, you yeah. know? So you got to just let go. So we actually did get selected before as well. We went out for uh, a dinner with another family, um, but they chose to keep the baby. Um, the birth mom chose to keep the baby. So this family, we met them and, yeah, they, they were, they, you know, liked who we were and we went out for dinner with them um, one more time before Eli was born. And then, um, you know, you make an openness agreement about kind of what that's going to look like and how many times you're going to meet. You go to some information nights um, that the agency provides and it's interesting to hear people's stories. So you hear either birth moms um, who have given up for adoption or you hear adoptive families and kind of just everyone's journey and how it works. And it's a mishmash. Like some people are like, Oh, we see the birth mom once a week. And we were like, oh. and some people are like, we haven't heard from day one or it started out and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and the rare part for us is that the birth father was still in the picture too. I think a lot of times it's just the birth mom. So, um, there was that. And then they were still together. So, uh, the Cubs won the world series. 
And then Eli was born. He was like seven or eight days late. And then he was born November 20th. And so we went out to Langley when he was born and we met him and we kind of just gave the birth parents a one night. And then we went to the hospital the next day and we stayed that night because we were like freaked because Reagan was like, we're going to go and we're going to take him as, you know, we'll take him home right away. And then we get there and we meet him and we're in the hospital. We're like, can, can we stay over tonight, please? Like, <laughs> this is too much. So we stayed a night and then like, yeah, never looked back. Right. It's crazy. You know, I spent the whole night lying on that ghetto couch, like in his little thing, just staring at him the whole night. And they were more worried about us buckling him up in his chair. I was like, I haven't slept for 24 hours, man. Like you, I might fall asleep at the wheel. Who cares if he's buckled <laughs> in? Like, so yeah. And then it kind of just takes off from there. So it's, it's a wild, it's a wild ride, right? Um, it's interesting. And then it's been interesting, you know, just in terms of balancing life with the birth parents um, since, and, you know, we haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, but <clears throat> Eli will know his story. There'll be no secrets. We've got, you know, photos, we've got emails, like, you know, the minute he starts to process all that, um, and figures out, you know, where do babies come from? And, you know, and like, that's his story, that's his journey. Right. And we're not going to hold anything from him. And when, and if they're ready to come back in the picture, like we'll be open arms, we'll make an agreement, we'll figure some stuff out, but if they're, if they want to be a part of his life and are in a good place and ready to do so, then yeah, we'll, you know, we'll go for it. So, um, even just the process of getting selected, like what crazy emotional roller coaster ride is that? Yeah. Never mind the fact that once you take him home, uh, like a 30, 30 day days, window? they yeah. can change their mind. The birth mom can change Fuck. their mind. So you're, yeah. So you're developing and growing this relationship and, and, you know, you're connecting. Right. And, is there yeah. just like a bunch of anxiety day like 27, 8, 29? Well, that was it. It was like, you know, all the stuff that we had been through already. It was yeah. just like a mishmash of just like, I've used mishmash like 30 times, but <laughs> you should get that copyrighted. But um, just like so many different things we had been through were like, what's more and more bump at this point, right? Yeah. But they, you know, it was like day 18 and we were sitting there and Reagan tosses me her phone across the couch and it said like, uh, just met with the lawyer. We signed the papers early wanted to surprise you, you know, da, da, da. And I just like started bawling, right? Wow. I was like, oh my God. Like I was, because I, you know, you try not to let it bother you, right? And, you know, and as the husband, you want to sh- be the pillar of strength and, you know, not get flustered. And because, you know, my wife likes to overanalyze everything and the, you know, the hamster is always turning. <laughs> and so be the calm one, but it was, you know, it's constantly in your mind. I was just like, I just like, was like on the floor, like hysterical. I was like, Oh my God. Right? And like, I remember I FaceTimed my dad and he was like, what's going on? I like, <laughs> barely even get FaceTime down, let alone what I was saying to him. So yeah, it's, it's quite the process, but I mean, you know, everybody goes through ups and downs and you got to just be able to, you know, look at it like, I think you can learn just as much from the hard times, right? You know, so, and you just like, the first thing you say is like, he just fits in. Like he's just, there's no doubt that it was, and it's corny to say, like maybe it was just meant to be, but I don't know how we can think of it any other way, you know? Cause he's just like, he's such a little bugger, man. He's like, (laughs) he's just awesome. So he's going to keep, he's going to have our hands full for a long time. So. But yeah, it's it's a crazy, crazy process. But, you know, we wanted to be a family. You know, people say, oh, we have the most respect for you and blah, blah, blah. And we're just like, we just wanted to be a family. We wanted to have kids. And it didn't start out the way we wanted, but we didn't want to give up on that journey and what and 
how do we make it happen? So, yeah. So it's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. that yeah, no really worries. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think, you know, infertility and stuff like that, it's like one of those things that I think people just naturally want to bury, right? And it's hard to talk about, but I'm obviously a super open and social person. And I just thought like, it doesn't do us any good, you know, when we're out socially, be like, so when are you guys going to have kids? And we're on, you know, another miscarriage. And it's like, you know, it's like, well, here's our story. Mm -hmm. And not to make people feel bad, but just, I think there's more people. And when you start to share your story, people go, oh, that happened to me or my aunt or, you know, da, 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 right? So you just think the more open you are and the more you're willing to share of yourself, the more people understand, right? So yeah, it's been an interesting journey. So I think the more you grow too, the more you see that the shit that you deal with, other people will respect and not judge you for. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas you think in your head, oh, I must have done something wrong. People will judge me for this. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Yeah. I think it helps you grow confidence and just like as a person long-term anyway. Yeah. And like, if they're going to judge you for that, then checkbox, don't need you in my life. Right. Like it's a pretty easy process, right? It's an easy decision to make. It's like put yourself around the people that are going to support you no matter what. And yeah. And I think, yeah, for sure. If you just share those experiences it helps you grow and it helps others grow or as opposed to like we were talking before like oh hey my dad died and like oh how do i respond to that like just you know learning how to deal with those situations so when someone shares that with you again you're like oh i've been through this like i got something i can fall back on so yeah we don't hide it share with our kids at school and it's funny though because some people you know you catch some people even family will be like oh must have got that from you or you know like oh it looks like and you're just like and then they go, oh, wait. But it's like, <laughs> it's hard not to, right? I mean, he doesn't shut up. I don't know where he would get that from. But, you know, there's obviously a few things that he's picked up on through the family. But uh, Product of the environment. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The apple, right? So That's uh, a cool little experiment. Nature versus nature, nature. versus nurture, right? Totally. See how similar he is to you guys. Mm-hmm. Just from obviously growing up with you. Yeah. Had a buddy that posted on, you know, Instagram a couple months ago. And they've got two and talking about you know, not really a believer because one's so different than the other, but then we kind of believe like, well, he can't, I mean, he's going to have some characteristics of his birth parents, but like he's with us from day one, like he's got to be a product of our environment. Right. So yeah, it's, it's cool for sure. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see how it all goes. Thanks for coming out tonight. No worries, man. Yeah. No worries. Illadelf. 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 Illadelf (laughs) half-life. Shout out the roots. Drop a beat, Carl. There we go. That's how we end the thing. That's how we need to end every episode, Carl. Carl with a beatbox. With Carl beatboxing. As awkwardly as possible. <laughs> that was good. Thanks, buddy. That was a lot of fun. No worries, man. It's good to come out. First podcast. Let's go. Cool.